Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Practical Guitarist Podcast is brought to you by Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Great Lakes Guitar Pickups provides fantasy tones at prices a practical guitarist will love. Featuring top-notch construction, attention to detail, and a fully custom product, if you can dream it, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups can probably build it. Follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pickups. Are you a regular listener? Why not? David here reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Review us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Practical Guitarist, or on Twitter as at Practical Guitarist. Support the show. Merchandise is available in our Threadless store at practicalguitaristpodcast.threadless.com. And donate to us via Patreon, available at patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. Reach out to us directly via email at questions at practicalguitarist.com. Hello, Jim. Hello, David. And I'm glad Christmas. that you could join me on this Christmas Eve of Eves. That would Christmas be Eve, Eve of Eve. Eve. I guess this, this is the day after Festivus. Best of us for the rest of us. Um, so, a little, a little something. So, I, I was playing um, words with friends, and one of the words that they recommend is "festivus." And I said, "Oh, come on! That's not even. That's not real. It's not real. It's, it is now. It's become a. It, well, it's real with a bunch of people that have ever Seinfeld seen fan. Seinfeld. I've never seen Seinfeld. I don't see it as real. I don't. So, I, I I substitute your reality with my own." That, that I substitute your reality with my own. So, Jim, do you see this? What's that? I'm holding in front of the screen right now a little post oh, yeah. with two springs hanging off. Yeah. You know what this is? No. This is I, the I guess the Z stop for the ZR tremolo from from Ibanez. Um, I took it out. I wanted my bar to flutter, so I took it out. But it's one of those things that, like, if you didn't know what that was. <laughs> you know, you're like, what is that? What the hell is what that? The hell is that? It's just a little bar with two springs on it. Yeah. Um, so to start the show off, this is a um kind of a holiday special thing. Um, yeah. to start the show off, I I thought I would go to Guitar Center's use site and bring up some of the uh, the fodder that's for sale right now. Some interesting things, some not so interesting things, some things that are way overpriced. Right. Um, and maybe I'm just saying they're way overpriced, but in my in my in my honest assessment of what the piece of equipment is, they're overpriced. Um, so of note, cool things. There's an angle iron ball head. It's a 25.5 and 1 watt amp uh, down at Na- Naperville store. Um, I'm looking at Guitar Center, by the way. Right. They want 800 for that. Uh, I think it's a little expensive, but uh, nevertheless, it's a cool head. Um, yeah, that's been, that sounds expensive, but... All right, so here's here's one that you'll love, Jim. A Crate VTX 350H solid state guitar amp head. $299.99. Yeah. 
That's about two hundred and ninety nine dollars more, more than you you <laughs> pay me to take it away. Okay, exactly. you would have to pay my gas money to get there, and still yeah. have to pay me to take uh, it. I'm not going to provide you a certificate of destruction, but you can trust <laughs> it will not survive. <laughs> um, cool though. There's some there's some classic thirties around. Here's one at uh, Arlington Heights Guitar Center for three hundred fifty bucks. Um, there's another one down here for 375 bucks, I believe. Yeah. Um, but I, I actually, the one that jumped out at me, I was like, we got to talk about this on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, two rock studio pro 35 two guitar amp head, $2,000 used. Um, no, yeah. I mean, yes, I get it. Like some people are really after the two rock thing. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, two, two grand. Or what is two rocks supposed to be? Alike? Right, right. Well, this one might be more the the Dumble vein, but it's a thirty five watt head. I mean, it's loud enough to gig with, probably. But yeah. trying to zoom in, oh, so you see the knobs. A thirty five watt two rock, you could easily gig that. You could gig that with a two by twelve, even a one by twelve. Well, I'm just saying it's hard to. So it's hard to gauge what you're getting with a two rock because they've made so many different models of amplifiers over the years. And I swear that they've made two completely different amplifiers with very similar names. And you're just like, what am I doing here? You know, basically two rock in order to buy one, you have to plug into it before you decide to buy it. Uh, Yep. Yep. um, And just to keep going, they have a supersonic 22 that's overpriced at 750. Yeah. That's overpriced. I would say I would say six fifty would be would be in the ballpark for that. Uh, a couple of jet. I say I, here's another thing. Uh, if you're a listener to the show and you know more about Jet City and the different models, they have a Jet JCA two twelve RC, um, which is my understanding is kind of a Soldano thing because um, they were they were designed by Mike Soldano, right? And uh, I would be. Uh, I would be totally like, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd buy that or not. I'd be interested. But again, it's, you know, it's an import and who knows yep. if it's any good on the inside. Um, I would want to play it just to yeah. see. But- Here's an amp company you don't hear about anymore. A used Crank Crankenstein. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's right. Cranks were big right up into the 2000s. You know who was behind Crank? Yeah, it wasn't uh, an investment partner, not just behind it. He was putting a lot of the money up for that company. It was Dimebag Daryl. Yeah, I was going to say Dimebag Daryl, right? Um, he used uh, the crank amps all over uh, the damage plan record. Yep. Um, as a sales advertisement, basically. Yeah, uh, because uh, at that time, Randall was shoving um, Dimebag's face into, or I mean, uh, name it, everybody. Well, they face. forced him into that Randall Warhead thing that he yeah. Hated. Yeah, he did not like loads of those things. Didn't um, he do? Did he? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I know somebody did this. Didn't he go out with with Randall heads, but not have them plugged in? Was actually using no. So he had so no. The the, there, there, a little bit of misnomer there. He did use the warhead. He only used it for clean. He actually had That's the right. Randall centuries that he'd been using for years um, back behind the uh the warheads on the stage so that you couldn't see he was hiding up that yeah okay yeah because because there's no way that the that the um what the hell do they call that thing the uh the warheads were the warhead. as good as no what he was using years ago and the thing is that randall couldn't produce those anymore they wanted to make uh, yeah why did they stop clone that and it's because they're not rojas compliant so oh. you can't get the parts for them anymore 
And a lot of the parts that they had used in the original design um, were phased out in the late eighties. So to build, you know, an an accurate copy, you would have to really redesign the circuit because a lot of the parts are not, there's not direct replacements. So there's a whole thing. They could have spent the money in R and D. Eventually they came out with that dime amp. And my understanding was that was actually Randall, right? I mean, they came out with, that's right. Um, and no, it may have, it may not have been. So here's another little thing. If you didn't know, Randall and uh, Washburn are connected. Um, and I don't know what exactly what the connection is, whether they're the same company or whether they're backed by the same investors. Um, yeah. But they're they're very connected. And so his deal with Washburn went hand in hand with his deal with Randall Amps. Yep. Um, when he broke off with uh, Randall and, and Washburn, it was more about the fact that uh, they gave him an amp that he didn't like. He actually liked the Washburn guitars, but you got to remember the guitars he was, he was getting were not the ones that were, you, you could buy in the store. They were right. custom shop through and through built by, you know, master luthiers. Um, and they were good, you know, high quality pieces. Whereas, you know, if you were to go to the store and buy one, you could buy, you could buy a hundred dollar or $179 a copy of his guitar that was nothing like what he was playing. No, it was. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, to continue on here, they have a Dr. Z 6545. Now, now going back to that Krankenstein. Oh yeah. yeah. Wasn't that unfinished when, when Dimebag passed? Uh, I believe that was the rate. The Dean Razorback guitar is what you're thinking of. Oh, that's, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because he actually used right. these. He used the crank on Damage Plans record, so. That's right, but he, um, well, I knew he, uh, I knew he used um, the, the amp, but I wasn't sure if that was a prototype that he used. N- no, I think they were actually, I could be wrong on that, and somebody can correct me, but I'm pretty sure that they were actually being sold when that album was released. Okay, okay, because I, I wasn't sure about the timing. That was so close the time timeline of that well, and the you, fact that Krankenstein, I remember seeing crank amps in the back of like guitar world and yeah, yeah. and everybody uh, was but, helped up by them. Everyone, everyone. And, and that and, was because he had a big part in the AR. Now who was, who was the actual like um, crank obviously was the company that was being, it was being called crank, but who was the actual um, designer of those? Because he didn't really design them. No, 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 no. He didn't at all. Engineer. They probably farmed it out to different engineers. Yeah. Um, I'm going to look at Crank Amplification see if we can get a... Name. You never hear them about them anymore. And yet they were killer as far as that type of amp. Um, I don't think were, the company's around anymore. I think they fell apart. So, oh, that could be. Oh. Uh, Tony Crank was the, was the actual... Yeah, there you go. Owner. But um, he was not the, so he was the owner, but he he was taking money from other people as a major investor. Right. So um, just to give you a couple of other, another couple amps that are here, Dr. Z, 6545, that's, that's 1300. Yeah. It's a little bit pricey myself. Um, Red Knot Fender for 250. How much did they say, Dr. Z, what was it? The 3545? 6545. Yeah, that's um. That's an earlier one, I think. Yeah, and that's uh, how much? Thirty-five or uh, 13? thirteen? Thirteen hundred. Oh, I thousand bucks, man. Uh, I see. I see yeah. them going on eBay all the time for a thousand bucks for a head. Yeah. So, I would buy the the Krankenstein. Yeah. So what was the price on that? 
if I was a metal guy. Oh, they suck. I, no, I've heard a lot of people say they're garbage. Uh, really? six, 680 bucks. Yeah, yeah. it's 599 in Pittsburgh. They just weren't well built. I mean, that was that was basically the complaints that I've heard. So Really? Yeah, they were kind of cheap and chintzy. They were inexpensive. They were like, for a 100-watt tube head, you could get them for about 1000 bucks. Yeah. So um i wouldn't be surprised to find out they were manufactured in china i not that that makes any difference but i'm just saying like they, they were doing what they could to make those things cheap i'm looking uh, it says made in the usa right in the back yeah um oh well yeah but they may be assembled here from boards made right, elsewhere and that's right, right, right. more than likely the case um mesa boogie royal atlantic that's a thousand bucks uh, well there has to be a reason they went out of business yeah, well, I think it's just poor management. I, I, you see, the problem is I heard a couple. I obviously I don't play metal, but I heard a couple of guys playing these in the early, what was it, two thousand maybe five six. Yeah, and they were. It, did he pass in two thousand three? Maybe I don't remember. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I think so. it would have been two thousand three or two thousand four because it was like yeah. right after I, I was in college when it happened. So yeah, right around two thousand five, that they were still a popular amp and. A lot of people like them because they're they're tighter. They're tube. They've got a lot of punch, but they were tighter because what is it? It's I think it's the opposite of what you would expect. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know really the the technical details of them. I do know I've seen shootouts done with them and dual rectifiers and triple rectifiers, and they just they get smoked. They don't sound as good. And and the other thing is, uh, even the fifty one fifty just totally demolishes this thing. So. Oh yeah, the fifty-one I mean, fifty. I think that that was the amp that killed it. Really, it probably well, the fifty-fifty existed already. So I mean, because well, I mean in popularity, I, I the fifty-one fifty was what well, they're ubiquitous. They're cheap. they're cheap. Exactly. Man. That's what I'm saying. They had a they had a inexpensive inexpensive price tag, and they had a hell of a um uh, a sound. And with with um, Eddie Van Halen behind them. It, it was just a no-brainer for. Well, I mean, like, so right now you can go get a sixty-five hundred five plus one twelve sixty watt combo for eight hundred dollars. Oh, that's geez. yeah. I mean, it's just that is nothing. Yeah, it's peanuts for what you get there. So yep. Um, and then to get to if you want to if you want the hundred and twenty watt head, it's thirteen hundred, which is not horrendous. Nope, nope. that's not bad. Uh, and that's that's for the sixty-five hundred five plus, just the regular sixty-five hundred five. 120 watt head 900 that's wow. money for for a true high gain head yeah uh, and they do even today they sound great so uh the cabinets yep. are a little pricey 900 for a cab for a 412 yep but um yeah you get a whole half stack for 1700 bucks wow that's not i didn't re- you see you almost never see them around here because honestly i think the reason that i don't see a lot of good stuff is i only get down there like um some weekdays but usually weekends by the time i get there everything is picked over well i think a lot of the i think a lot of the um uh 6505 crowd is based in like the metal areas so you find them in like upstate new york maybe you know like florida around pensacola things like that where the death metal scene is um death metal guys love those things because the tight attack they're one of the few amps that kind of crosses over into that solid state attack territory yeah which i think is why they're so popular um and then you'll find him you'll find him in the la scene of course well that's what the the crank was supposed to be it was that tightness in the. i don't see a ton of these around to be honest with you not not even here so um i see a lot of new ones but i think the guys around here if you buy one you keep it and 
you know, that's what I was going to say. So I think a lot of people do that because they're because they're inexpensive enough that like it almost doesn't make sense to sell one off. Yeah. Oh man, that's really compelling. So I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm thinking about selling my Helix and getting a 6505. You can get the micro head used for 375 bucks. Jeez. Yeah, dude, that's like really compelling because I could get that in a really nice Mesa cab to to pair with it for like under a grand. That's Helix money right there. Well under a grand. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I'll have to think that over. I've you I've been talking. Oh, uh, it's it, not to, that my wife is involved in my gear sessions, but I'm, she's my she's my counselor. Uh, so I've been talking about like, should I do this? Do you think this is a good idea? You know, like I see, I see out of this. <laughs> I see a keyboard in the background there. Oh, so that's my daughter's. Uh, that's her. That's her seven or sixty four key or whatever we got her last Christmas. So I was just, just out of a room because I was cleaning her room. So um, there's that. You probably can't see it. The headstock is being obscured. That crappy guitar over there on the floor. Yes, I see it. Um, that is. I saw guy. it earlier. <laughs> Ivan is uh, shithole. Um, S, so, S stands for shithole. I here's here's a suggestion I would make. I just either block or or um, remove the trim, put in a hard hardtail, and go. Because I, I mean, it's not trim though. If I'm gonna have it, I might as well have the fucking trim. Yeah, but it's gonna be. I I don't know. I think it's gonna be more worried than it's or more problem. I got the trim working. We'll it works fine now. I just got to find a bar that works for it. So it's not the bar. Like I can get a bar all day long that works for that guitar. I know, I know. And I have some that work, but I think it makes more sense to just throw in the Floyd Rose arm. So it's adjustable and it's not going to have any play. And yeah. I don't have to worry about like trying to find a replacement arm. If it breaks. Yeah. I like the, the Floyd Rose arm in that one. Too. Um, yeah, they're inexpensive. You can get them for 15 bucks. Yeah. Cause so. then you can position anywhere you want and do your thing. Yeah, and, and if I sell this piece of crap at some point, or if well, I'm not going to sell the guitar, but I might part out the parts. Right, I can probably sell that bridge, just the bridge for like fifty or sixty bucks. Yeah. So I well, mean, I at some you, point, I may part it out. I saw you live earlier, and Stephen Rod, Ray Conrad he asked, uh, "How much did you pay for that thing?" Nothing. No, for the guitar. Oh, that's right. That's Nothing, what he didn't realize. You realize? Well, I, you paid originally some- paid two hundred and. $79, I think. Yep. You'd have to go back and listen to the episode. I'm not going to pull up my eBay account and look. Yeah. It was like, it was like, it was like between 270 and 350 bucks. Yeah. And what you got to understand is when I got that guitar, I thought it was going to be in good, not in good shape, but better shape. Then it did not have a fucking four inch crack that went into the tremolo cavity. Yeah. And, and so that I was going to respond to him, but I wanted you to respond to him here. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Like, um, if you if you didn't know that, that's why that this guitar keeps appearing in our Instagram feed and um, other things. It's yeah, it's like a bad penny. It, it like, is, and it won't like go away. Ball. I tried to get rid of it. I was I I wanted my conscience cleared. Now I've got this guy's guitar. He's not responding to any communications with me. I'm trying to give it back to him. Your conscience should um, be clear. This has been going on for about two months at this point. So at this point, I'm just like it's mine. Yeah. Uh, I, the amount of time and hassle I spent on this thing. It's mine as far as I'm concerned. I think he tried to dump his garbage. Um, yeah, I think he did too. Um, and I think he got caught and now he's in trouble financially because of it, because he's got to yeah. pay for the shipping cost. Because he would have to he pay, pay for the ship. shipping and it didn't even get to him, which is, which is just asinine, which is probably why he doesn't respond to me because at this point he's like, man, if I have to pay shipping again, like it just doesn't make any sense. And you're yeah. absolutely right. It doesn't make any sense. And you nope. shouldn't have listed this thing. 
period. That's absolutely right. You should have parted it out. Like I'll probably end up doing on down the road where, yep. you know, uh, it's just, it, it's well, some people don't want to part stuff out. So I'm going to tell you, um, so I've got a couple of NGDs while we're talking. Yeah. Um, and so I actually picked up, um, in the last few days, I picked up, a um, loop station because I had one. I, I wasn't crazy about it. I got rid of it. And then I got it back. And I'm going to tell you why I kept, I got it back and I kept it. So the, um, uh, RC three, the boat, the boss, um, RC three loop station, what I didn't realize. So the reason I didn't like it before was when you step on it, it starts recording. Right. And when you step on it again, it starts recording a loop. It starts. It should be, recording that should be configurable. You should, there should be a setting for that. So you have to tap it twice. So okay. then I said, geez, that sucks. Why can't you make it so you can just tap it once and be done? Well, you can. Yeah. And you can configure it. I so I, now here's, here's the story, though. I actually wound up saving myself money. So I had returned the other one, which I bought used for $90. And a guy had one up on uh, um, Facebook Marketplace for $60. And I said, will you take 40 And he said, yes. And I said, because first I said, Okay, he goes, the the reason I knew that he would take less is because he goes, um, I said, uh, you know, are you st- is it still available? He goes, yes. And I go, where do you want to meet? And he goes, well, I don't have any, because um, I saw he also had his truck listed for sale. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't have any goes, transportation. My truck isn't working. And I go, I know, because I saw your truck for sale. <laughs> yeah. And so I said, we'd take 40 for it. So I saved $50 buying it again, used. Um, perfect condition, brand new condition. Um, and then, so, uh, uh, today I saw a DS one. And so, um, as I told Dave, I'm going to start building the, the pedal board of, of crappy pedals and it's going to start. From <laughs> and so I'm going to go pick up. I told, also told Dave about this. They've got a locally, they've got a metal, what is it called, Dave? The metal muff. Um, yeah, the metal muff with top boost. With top boost, and it's absolutely horrendous. Uh, Robert will love you for that. Yeah, Robert. Robert Robert's uh, guitar dungeon. He will love you for that. Yeah. So I'm going to pick that up locally. I'm going to add that to the to the board of crap, and I need to find a crappy board. So here's what we here's what we David and I came up with in our discussion earlier today. Here's a here's a pedal that's hard to find. Crappy. A delay. Yep, it's hard to find a crappy delay. Because it's go ahead. It's it's a so. Ask yourself while we're having this discussion before we before we get deep into this. Right. What is a bad delay? What is a delay that you cannot stand? Um, and unless you're like some crazy connoisseur, I I can't think of one. I can't think of one I hate. I mean, I think of of some that okay. I'm not so crazy about the like. With the one I have, I have to get a thing to do the tap tempo. I got to have a separate, you know, thing. But, but I can still do it, and and I really, you know. But the um, the fact of the matter is that, um, in all reality, delays are pretty much just repeaters, right? I mean, that's it. Yeah. Well, so the character of the repeats and the quality of the repeats are, um, directly you know correlate with that. But like, I mean. Generally speaking, you say a, a delay has character, and it's the character you like. So, like if it's a tape style character, or if it's an analog character, or you know. So, as long as it works for the purpose of what you're doing, then 
it's fair game. And I, I've never come across a delay where I'm like, that's terrible. I don't want that. So, yep. I, uh, I, think- I just sent Jim while we're, while we're talking about this. <laughs> he did. Um, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking on, uh, you fucking I'm, troll. I'm still like going around <laughs> right now. And I came across the, uh, the Mark Tremonti, uh, lunchbox head. Yep. And, uh, I don't, I mean, I haven't played one yet, so I want to kind of compare it to a 6505. I have to think about that. I have, okay, so um, I have only seen them played. I need to, I oh, need they to. Got them, they got them over at uh, Good Time. Yeah. I need to get my hands on one. I try not to play things at Good Time because I usually end up buying them, which, yeah. is, a, which is a bad thing for me to do. Yeah. And so uh, we talked earlier. So I'm going to, in January, I am going to once again start a year of no gear. I'm going to start a two-year of no gear. Good luck. So in January, this is, yeah, this is going to be difficult. It's going to be very difficult. Jim's going to try to outdo me. He's, you know. No, it's not the, yeah, I'm not. I'm just, I'm just giving you shit. And I, and I like, to everybody, I'm yeah. still trying to conserve, but I have failed. I failed a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's. So I still feel like I failed. Whether whether you believe I did or not, I feel like I failed. So yeah. Well, you you stayed within the rules, and the, and the rules are the important thing. I just bent. You, I just bent them as hard as I could when I could. Yeah, you you may not have stayed with the intent, <laughs> but you stayed with the letter of the law. Yeah. But anyway, on a on a serious note, so I spoke with David. I told him about some stuff that I had going on um, in a, on a on a uh, personal level. Um. So what I intend to do is in January, I intend on picking up a um, 100 a boss, 100 Katana. And the reason is to do these demos and to bring more um, uh, visuals to the channel, um, start doing some Instagram stuff, start, start doing some other stuff, um, which I have a couple. I have to start. I have to start. Um, I was rehearsing and rehearsing, rehearsing today so that I can, cause I am one of those people. I will not just pull out a guitar and play for you. I'm sorry. I'm not that kind of person. Um, anyway, uh, so for the, um, I'm getting the katana for that. I'm actually thinking I will leave that at the works or at the rehearsal place and keep my amp one here. Cause I really want the amp one here. Cause I, I think, think that's a good idea or, uh, to the pedals and, and really reacts better than some, um, I, no, no offense to the katana, but it sounds state, you know, I, I completely agree, Jim. I own one and it's good with pedals. But it's not as good a pedal platform as I've heard people make it out to be. Um, right. Right. Uh, frankly, I have never experienced an amp that I felt was a quote-unquote good pedal platform. So, no, because <laughs> there's a, there are levels of transparency. There's all kinds They're all of different. And frankly, not right. every pedal needs to be played through a super clean amp that sounds a certain way. Right. I mean, I, I, most of what I do is, is coloring dirty amps. And so exactly. for me, it's like, as long as the amp's dirty and I got enough tone control on the pedal to make it do what I want, I'll be happy. And um, most of us, I mean, <clears throat> the live people, folks, most of us, and I'm not talking about country music because in country music, it's a completely different thing. Um, or in jazz music, um, which, by the way, I forgot how great a Roland chorus sounded until I, um, I was listening to... Uh, Anything um, by the, the police ever? Well, yeah, but that pedal show... <laughs> That pedal show, they they asked, okay, what are two horrible platforms, um, uh, pedal platforms? And everybody told them, oh, the the Roland Chorus. Oh, bullshit. Of course. And I Absolute was like, bullshit. Bullshit. Absolute bullshit. And they said the same thing. They went, 
They they did it. And they said we can't make this amp sound bad. They, no, that that's complete fabrication. And then the other one was oh, art. The other one didn't sound terrible at all, but it was a different a different thing. But anyway, um, so I'm gonna get the the um, Boss Katana pretty much for for rehearsals and to be a backup in case something happens with the um, amp one. But I got to tell you, I love the amp one. Now, those of you who know about the Ant One um, might know that there was a new one released a few months after I bought mine. Yeah, the and it's Mercury called the Ant One Mercury. Well, in several um, uh, interviews with Thomas Thomas Blug, he specifies that the Ant One that is for that we, he put out already, and the and the Mercury, the Mercury is just for those metal players, those really, really high gain players that needed a tighter um he tightened he tightened down. up all pretty much all of the drive channels in there. The yeah. only thing is I listened to the clips, they don't really sound any different to me. Yeah, to me. Um, <laughs> so I think he just like tweaked it and got like a three percent gain because that's what people were looking for. Yeah. And so that's why he's making a running change and just being like, well, they're all gonna be Mercury from now on. And and the funny thing is, he says, if you do this, and he says in one of the interviews I saw with him, he goes, if you do this, it's an amp one. The mercury doesn't even affect it. It's just it's a, it's just the amp. Yeah, one. yeah. And pretty much he goes, he goes, and I love the amp one because um, that's the way that it it's it, it's voiced the way I wanted to voice it, like my and he showed his you know that that uh, Marshall that he showed us when we interviewed. Right, right. So, they, it was a KT sixty six loaded uh, Marshall they, Plexi. Um, well, I might've been GT 45, but anyway, uh, yeah, the whole thing is, um, I, I think I, I'm glad that you liked the, the amp one. I think the amp one it. shines at being a Marshall clone, yep. being the best possible, possible Marshall you can get with using the fewest possible tubes in a super compact package. Jim, can you tell the difference between that and the tube amp? No, no. Honestly, and I, I honestly said the same thing when I heard it. I was like, I didn't know where the sound was coming from. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> the this this amplifier. Well, you say between it and a tube amp, and of course, um, he will remind you, and I I can remind everybody. This is a tube amp. Well, it's got a tube in the in the power section that does some sort of like some sort of trickery, but right. Yeah, I mean, it, there is a tube in it. But he he did side by sides with Paul Henning. Um, and and Glenn Fricker, a bunch uh, of Paul different Henning, dudes in Paul, Paul Henning's thing. And um, when he did the thing where he would he would switch it and he he put his hand over the switch, yeah, he, he back couldn't tell. He, it, Paul Henning could not tell the difference between his his um, Saldano, Go. between his Marshalls, between his. Um, uh, did he do the Freemans too? I thought Freedmans? I thought he did Freemans. That's yeah. what I was trying to come come up because I was about to say Be and Dirty Shirley, but I wanted to say just in the. Yeah, so he had he had several different amps, and even only one of them where he was like, okay, and then and then um, Blue makes a couple little adjustments because you've got all these fine adjustments that they're yeah. not right here. That is the thing about this amp, folks. You if you get one and you look at the side of it, you see a whole that's bunch your EQ. <laughs> there's a, th yeah, there's a lot of things in there that you're like, oh well, I only have these knobs. No, you also have all these fine adjustments you can make. Yeah, and. Um, so you can fine adjust this into the amp that you have, and then all those knobs are. It, it, it's just an. It, honestly, this is not one of those things where people are like, "Oh, it's blowing, it's, um, blowing right. smoke for no reason." Right. It's not um, snake oil. 
This is yeah. the real thing. They're, and, they're and, I mean, they're legit amps. I'm really shocked at how good they sound. Because I'd heard about them a while before I saw my gear fest. Well, and, I had been sitting down practicing, right? And I've been using my little orange you see back there. Yeah. And um, I said, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna bring my amp home to practice. And so that that's I set that thing up and I had my pedals out. And I we'll talk about the other new yeah, group. yeah. Well, we, I think we already talked about the group, but okay. <laughs> we will um, right. Because not all the listeners are in the group, but not all the group, you know. So uh why not? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I know. Why not? Join. Join the uh, Facebook group. Join us. Join us. Make fun of us. Do something. Join us. Um, join us. You we're like the board. Um resistance is futile. Yep. That's it. So uh what was it? Oh. So when I was um, doing this today and I was playing these parts that I was having so much trouble, I was like, oh, this just sounds weak. This doesn't sound quite right. Then I had my pedals. I had amp one and I had my, my um, one by 12 cab and I played. I went, oh, that was the problem. And it isn't because I'm, I'm reliant on gear, folks. It's just that when you're playing through a one by eight at through a little one by eight with a solid state preamp that does not sound good. It sucks. And you don't appreciate what you're missing. No, no. Get into this. And that's the other thing about the amp one folks. If you need to, you can, not only can you put the headphones on, you can run it into your, in your computer. Yeah. You can can run it into your stereo. You can run it into your PA thing, whatever you want to do. And you can turn, you can actually turn this down. Now I won't lie to you. I won't say it sounds the same at low volume because it doesn't. No, I and have, even they've said even they've said that now though. It's like you really right. have to drive it hard. Because it's why, about the speaker. You're pushing the speaker. Well, if you get that, if you get that foot controller with the power soak on it, <clears throat> yeah, that's a big deal. I uh, that's uh, I got to be honest. That is a huge, huge consideration um, for me uh, for for when I. Um, turn off my year of no gear uh, or my two years of no gear because the the things that I want to add to this, you know, after playing with it today and, and having so much, cause I had talked to David um, earlier today and said, I want to go two years cause I won't have a car payment. I'll have some other things that, so I'm going to go and just put that money aside. So I have a lot of money to spend at once, right? A lot. And I want to get a, a, I was talking about a custom guitar. And um, so we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But I was thinking about custom amp. Then I thought to myself, you know, I really don't want a custom amp. I just don't care. I want the rest of the amp one system. I want the system. I want the, I want the, um, uh, the, what do they call it? The IR thing. Yeah. The, the blue box. You know what? Yep. Honestly, like I'm, I'm kind of in your boat right now too. Cause I'm thinking about these other amps and it's going to come down between a 6505, a, uh, the, the Mark Tremonti amp, the 50 watt lunchbox. And probably a well, they get the PRS Archon Twenty Five, I think, as well. Ooh. And then the um, the Imp One, it, it's I, it's going to be one of those, probably one of those three. Yeah. I, I honestly think the Imp One is one of those one of those things that it has not taken off in the states, but but it should have. I mean, I I don't understand why because we look at it in the states. There's a lot of guitar players over here are super traditionalist, yep. and they're the ones that are like. Oh, what do you mean you took the headstock off that guitar? Or what do you mean you, you know, uh, you you want to use these new tubes that nobody's ever heard of? And yeah. balk at things like that. Yep. What do you mean you want to run your strings from the 
from the headstock to the tuning pegs instead of the other way. Yeah, yeah, right. right. What do you mean you've got ball ends on both ends of your tuning? Yeah, this is totally different. This fucking sounds terrible. How dare you put a tummy cut in that Les Paul? How dare you? You know, (laughs) the list goes on. Um, Yeah, so. How you dare you run a um, a, a distortion pedal before your big muff? <laughs> okay, so that that's, that's that, topic number two. Thank that's you. That brings us to topic number two is the big muff. So, um, did you as, run, as, did you run that thing into the into the amp one? Oh God, yes. And is it good? Oh God, yes. Yeah. So I figured okay, so, I figured you'd been running through crap when you this afternoon we were talking. And I was like, yeah, just wait. I know he's going to come back and he's going to be like, okay, now I get it. <clears throat> well, the, the only time I'd ever used a fuzz was with Fender. I'm going to I'm gonna be completely honest with you. It was a front end of Fender. It's fuzzy as shit, and they're not meant for it. No. And it, it sounded like a truck um, that lost its muffler and was farting. It just sounded like, but it didn't have any, there was no tightness to it. There's, there's a certain something to be said about the fartiness of a Fender, or I mean, of a, of a, of a muff. Or, or yeah. a, um, a fuzz. That's what fuzz yeah, is, kind of. of. It's like a very broadband distortion. I mean, right. That that really wide thing going on. But when I was uh, and I cranked this, I cranked the amp one because I wanted to hear what did it sound like. And the first thing that happened was when I cranked that, I had the muff. <laughs> the settings have been dialed back a bit. Let's just say that. Um, I I dialed the, the sustain back just a tad, and I brought yeah. that level back at that because wow, that thing is monstrous. But I'll, I'll tell you, you're right. I I was so I I sat down with David Gilmore's another brick in the wall part two, which I here's the sheet music right here. Yeah, so you can't see it, but it's off. Yeah, it's, it, I believe you. <laughs> I know you're a dedicated Floyd fan, so dedicated, dedicated. Floyd. So I said, all right. I know for a fact that the that another brick in the wall part two was a Les Paul tracked into the board, and then they ran that into his yeah his massive rig of like doom. So I knew it was this right here, humbuckers, folks. So I I played the three guitars into that muff. Guess which one sounded best? So we're talking SG. about SG the. The two PRSs, yeah. so you got the SE and right. the PE. I'm going to say it was the SG. It sounded incredible. Yep. Sounded. So it's pickups. Incredible. They, they all sounded great. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, talk about some singing, searing, sustain. I knew, because every time I do that, you know, that, that double bend that, that he does. Where yeah. He'll hold it that he's, he, he bends, he's holding it, and then he bends again. Yep. And he bends. And so, it never backs off. No. Like the and, volume stays constant. And, yeah. Right. And so there are two things that, that are key to hit the way he gets it is number one, he's always messing with his volume. So as um, one of the things he does is, is it, as he gets into that, he brings the volume up a little bit. But with any, when he gets that second one, brings that volume up just that much more, compresses and sustains that sound and backs it down a little bit and then plays the other notes. And that's why it kind of slows down. You'll notice that, you know, and and so when I did that, that thing responded exactly that way. I always thought it was because I was missing it in compression. I thought I didn't have enough distortion. I thought I didn't have (laughs) the wrong pedal. (laughs) I didn't even have the compressor on. (laughs) I know. (laughs) And that thing just sang, just like, oh, 
and it, the the skies parted up, and all of a sudden I said, "Look at look at the light. See the light." Yeah, yeah. The the light came down, huh? and then all of a sudden I was like, "This is what I was missing when it came to that." Wait until I do that. So we um uh, just to give the the audience a little background on this. In the band I'm in, we do mostly dance and yacht rock kind of stuff. But I talked them that too. Yeah, and I talked them into adding another brick in the wall part two into this funk thing. So we're doing uh baby, but you do it, do it right, get to do it, yeah, baby, yeah. baby tonight. You know, and it's got and it, and then we go to a jungle love thing, right? That might be jungle love. I don't know. I don't know the, the, the those types of stuff. I just play what I hear. And then I said, hey, we're in D minor, and it's got that. Yeah. Listen, just keep playing it. Just keep playing. So the band was keep playing. I said, we don't need no education. (laughs) And they were like, yeah, it works. And then, you know, we did the the brick in the wall. And then I started playing the solo. And they were like, oh, that's good. They are going to freak when they hear this pedal doing that song. That's that's what's going to happen. Yeah. That's going to blow their effing mind. I, um, so a couple of things that you need to know about, uh, using muffs in general, um, a lot of the boutique muffs and there's a ton of them. I mean, if you want to go down the rabbit hole, you can investigate some other ones, but what you're going to find Jim is that a lot of the boutique ones emphasize the mid range because muffs will disappear in a mix. If you're not careful and you don't know, I, I, it depends on what amp you use. It's a big part of it. Like, I know a lot of guys are using Fender amps and they're like, oh, I just, you know, I can't hear myself in the mixes because yep. that amp's already scooped and the fuzz is scooped. So what happens is you have no mids rather than at least some coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, I have I have the, the um, my, my go-to muff for, for a lot of stuff is the Barber Trifecta and it has a push-pull pot for the tone knob and it gives you this gigantic mid boost. And I just leave that thing pulled the, like the whole time because I... I know that if I'm not using that, and I've used that in live setting too before, by the way. And I know if I don't have that, it's it's gonna do some things that I'm not comfortable with. So, um, but you got the you're running it into a Marshall style amp. I mean, yep, it's gonna sound <laughs> fine. Yeah, um, it's so. going into the front end of the vintage, which is the Marshall style, right, right, um, sound, and then it's going into a Hughes and Kettner one by twelve cabinet, closed back, um, and then. Uh, the um i'm using the net pickup on about six mm-hmm. uh five or six and i only turn it up to eight or nine when i'm doing those like i said those double bends then i bring it back down the only time i do um the bridge pickup is when i'm past the ninth fret going back down the neck and i pop it back to the bridge pickup i love fuzz in general with, a neck, pick, with a neck pickup Oh. Um, I, and I'll play anything on a fuzz of the neck pick. I don't care, but yeah. uh, it, it's just one of those sounds that um, it kind of defies the context of what a guitar is supposed to sound like, like in the modern context. Um, and that's you know, it doesn't really scream so much as it moans and wails. Yep. Um, and I can get my guitars to do things with that neck pickup that I can't with the with the bridge pickup specifically with a fuzz. Like for example, if I'm going to play some rhythm stuff, I can really get some almost sounding like an old broken tube amp kind of sounds. Doing yeah. That. Um, but <clears> the buzzes <throat> I play are completely different than what you play, Jim, because I mean, I don't play a lot of humbuckers. Um, so I want something that's going to sound like, you know, my amp's going to explode. Uh, exactly. That's why I go to fuzz faces. They sound broken and 
it's all good for that. Um, yeah, and that's the other thing. Dave and I have talked. David and I have talked about that in the past. Is that a humbucker? Obviously, is a lot hotter. Um, it's got more uh, mid range, um, so you're going to get that out of a out of a humbucker. The other thing I wanted to talk about that I'm starting to fall back in love with. Believe it or not, at first I was like, I, I was talking to you today earlier about uh, my blues driver, and I said, uh, you know, I had Wampler do it. And, did I make a mistake giving it? So I plugged it in today. Yeah. And there's two things. The one, I, I played around with it, um, with the gain and found a spot and I found a sweet spot that I really, really dig. I mean, I really like about this thing. I think that's, I think that's what Wampler did to it was making the change to make, there's a, there's a very sweet place right there. You know, I dialed it boop, 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 and I found it. And it was like, oh, that's a killer spot. That's a killer. Spot. And I think the mistake I was making before was again, <clears throat> I get I get to where I leave my main amp at the rehearsal space and I use my, you know, I use a smaller amp at home, and then I go, geez, this sounds like dog shit. And that's really um where I made my mistake, I think. Um, but stacked that with the buff. You have to hear that. I st- it's cool. It's cool. But I, I can tell you right now, and, and this is just because I know a lot of other people do this too. This is the pedal you want to stack with a muff. I, you know what? That's exactly what I was going to say. I have I, I to- held up a Tube Screamer Mini, by the way. He did. And that's the thing. I'm thinking about getting a Tube Screamer Mini now. Um, oh, so, so if you think there, about getting- Well, I'm going to send you this one anyway. So what are you worried oh. about? I just haven't gotten around to it yet. All right. Um, I'm hoping actually I'm kind of hanging on to this because I want to shoot it out with, uh, I don't know. I, the, the boost in the, in the, um, uh, pinnacle is yep. supposed to be very tube screamer esque. So I kind of want to compare, um, don't you, I mean, did you end up doing that? So did you have the pinnacle? I still do. Right. That's what I mean. You had, you had the pinnacle because you were kind of the amp in the box type thing. Yeah. I wanted to, so I wanted something I could go to open mics with. I am not, I haven't gone to one yet. I bought it six months ago and i haven't i haven't even it's just too much going on right now so hopefully I, i'm gonna I i'm gonna grab something keep you know, talking for 20 keep. seconds because let me tell you something there's an amp in a box thing and i can't remember what it's called but it's right right here on the other side of this door hold on a second all right all right so he's you know he's gonna make me talk so i'm gonna say some nasty stuff about jim 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 is such a jerk off this this show i mean i can't even deal with him most of the time <laughs> oh sorry i, I didn't see you there. <laughs> Making fun of me like, No, I don't back. know what you're talking about. I, I, you're the most, you know, you get along so well with me all the time. It's just wonderful. There you go. There's your uh, oh, the MTS powerhouse. The, the, yep, the Tremonti. Um, but anyway. I don't so know I if was, I want to buy it because his name's on it. Like, I thought that Tremonti's a bad player, but it's one of those things. I know, I know. So today I got my new guitar world, um, The Last Days of Hair Metal. There's a book coming out about the whole 80s metal scene. And the, Shit, that means I got to shave my head off. Yep, yep. And uh, the three songs in it I thought were cool. Motley Crue, Van Halen. I'm not so sure about this one, though. What is it? Uh, Albert Lee, but it's Country Boy by Albert Lee. So that, eh. that, that's a lot of that, it's a lot of picking. And I'm not really that good at it, but I, I would go ahead and try it just to do just my to thing. What, just to see what happens. But anyway, in here, I didn't get to I didn't get to this part where you got Framus Master Belt and Card because we want to talk more about that in a minute. But uh, um, 
So in the front of it, <clears throat> I thought of you instantaneously when I saw this ad and not the one for this, which is, those are, that's an interesting looking. The Grand Canyon, yeah. Grand Canyon. That's an interesting looking. Uh, reverb. Reverb. Delay. Delay. Thing. Thing, yep. Delay looper. It actually has a looper in it. Yeah, it does. That was um, interesting. But anyway, so they have this new, this new pedal. It's an amp in a box. It's called the Ultimate Amp in a Box. Now, <clears throat> who makes this? I don't know if anybody has has seen or tried this by Atomic. Oh yeah, no, I know about them. That's uh, they're they're a competitor for um for Line Six. They're gunning for Line Six's stuff. So they used to make the Atomic amplifier thing, which was the um, you know, I remember the those. in it, and it was like a tube amp with a with a speaker in it for emulation and stuff. Um, and now they've they've kind of gotten into making modelers. I honestly I don't think much of their modelers. Okay, I, so here's I, the I, thing. Well, okay, so this is what's different about this one. Um, obviously it it has a it's an amp in a box. You can upload your own IRs. Yeah, yeah. So I can do that in my Helix right now. And it's a and it's a well. Here's the thing about this for for people that are looking for an amp in a box. Like it might be a cool solution got, for other people. Like you got for the Pinnacle. Is that it's it's standard size? Yeah. But a, so it, it, this is not so having amp emulation or not amp emulation is one thing. Having speaker emulation in the box is another because when you go to an open mic, you're not plugging directly to the PA. Well, that's what this is for. You got XLR out. Right. Good luck with that. See right. see how the sound guy or, likes. It. Or you can go um, to the amp, and that's yeah, where. Amp. And you got XLR. But then I can get any cheap modeler and do the same thing. I mean, that's, you know what I mean? So it's I like. Know, I know, but not a lot of cheap modelers do the uploaded. Um, well, no, no, no. But I'm yeah. saying like, if you're going to use it for, for the purposes I would, like it really just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Um, actually, the, the tool that makes a lot of sense for what I want to do is the uh, amp one. Because you can go to line out and run that into the effects loop of, a, of an amplifier. <laughs> that's right run it to the run it to the send of the amplifier and just go from there and you're bypassing the preamp of the amplifier. you got it so that's, yeah. that's a, a thought well one of the reasons why i'm kind of falling out of love with the helix is because the uh the the loops on it it's such a pain in the ass to set up for using a fuzz in the loop because those loops are buffered um yeah. You have to. There's no way to just turn the bu the buffer off. Number one, which which that should be if you're if you're going to use loops for pedals to patch in. For the love of God, give us the ability to turn the buffer off. Number two, I think they have to have the buffer because there's AD conversion going on. Number two is inside this thing, there is an impedance matching function, but yep. getting it to work so that when you press the button that turns your fuzz on is a nightmare. I mean, you oh. literally have to either change multiple parameters with one stop, or you have to set it so that you're using a, a, a scene, so snapshots, which are right. okay, but it's just, it's it's something I shouldn't have to do. Uh, there should just be a thing in there where I can say, you know what, loop one is going to always be used for fuzz, and I'll just put a fuzz label on it, turn the buffer off. Yep. And it should be as simple as put it, hitting the buffer switch right next to the plug. And not something that I have to mess around with in the in the software. I mean, you put ground lift switches. Why can't you have a buffer on off? And what I, I know it's because there's AD conversion. It's got to be what's going on there. 
Um, and that brings me back to the fact I used to have the ES8. My ES8, expensive as it was, um, and as big of a nightmare as it was to program that thing, um, it I, I could I could literally just say buffer off, yeah, problem solved, and do that for you know for an individual patch and like just clone that patch throughout the throughout the unit. I suppose I could do the same thing with the the uh, Helix, but I feel like I'm not getting the full the full gamut of what it can do because I'm limiting myself to like, okay, so really I only need like two amp sounds and I need like a couple of pedals. Um, and really the only reason I'm even thinking of selling right now is cause I'm like, well, really I only play two genres anyway. Right. I yeah. play like bluesy, classic rock, bluesy, jazzy, cra- classic rock stuff. And then I play, yeah. I'm starting to play a lot more metal and that, you know, modern tonality stuff. So I need a, I need a modern amp, which I already have in a Mark five. Yeah. And I need a yep. classic amp, which I also have in the Mark V. So if I get another amp, it's probably going to be a more modern amp that I can run in stereo. Yep. Um, and it would be just a backup piece for, for this. So yep. um, Katana works fine for that, but you put the Katana up against the, the Mesa. I did that video a while ago. Um, if you put the Katana and the Mesa side by side in an actual rig, it doesn't hold up as well. Um, and it's just because, you know, you've got real two power and you know great speakers versus yep. and i i used to i haven't done that with my head but i've done it with the 100 with the 100 watt, <coughs> 100 watt cabinet i used to have the the uh, combo yep. and it was you could hear them both and they were very distinct and they both sounded really good but it was like one of those things where it was like eh, it would be better if i had like a, a mini recto over there you know <laughs> now is your mark five your mark five a combo i got the 25 watt head they don't do head. the head in it they don't do the 25 watt in the combo that's what i thought only. 35 and you up. have a you have a head so what's your what's your um cabinet i use the uh i have the mini the mini recto uh matching cab for that uh yep. with a v30 in it okay so and you've used the katana head through that, that. Cap. yeah with that cab it's a it's pretty bright with that with that head i would imagine it would be um i and that's the thing like <laughs> I, I i i wanted to get a lone star cab yep It'd probably be what i would go with if i get a 6505 and I think what would happen is the PV head would go on the recto cab and then the Mark V would go on the Lone Star cab. Right. And then if I have to use a katana, that would go on the Lone Star cab as well. Okay. So um again, I, do I need three amps? Hell no. Which is why I'm kind of like trying to be sensible and like I don't really want to do this. Um, even if I were to sell my helix, like I'm I'm kind of balking on it because I'm like, well, I get more mileage out of my helix because I use it for for digital recording and stuff yeah but, um yeah yeah so i called that um the fact that i'm i'm kind of falling back in love with my blues driver the kgd or keeping yeah. gear day yeah where you're like <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna give this away i'm not gonna sell this thing i, nope. I would like to get hands on it but I, but that's oh, i'm gonna send it to you to you to yeah, just to try, to try it out and stuff i because yeah. Well, and I, even if it doesn't, if it doesn't happen right away, we can do it at Gear Fest where I can, you know, sit down. Yeah, I can hand it to get you. Get twenty or thirty minutes with it. Plus, you can use it with that. my rig. You can play it right through my whole rig. You can play my whole rig. I mean, I got. And then I, you can I'm show me how it's done. Right, pedals over here next to me, which are kind of off screen, but they're you know that that Jason sent me that I really got to start like cooking on. Um, you've got to you've got to show me how to play the stuff right because I suck. Okay. <laughs> Just and stop people worry, stop worrying about to, it, Jim. That's what you're your problem is. Rotten tomatoes. <laughs> I'm just laughing because you're like, oh, dude, you got to show me how to do this right. Have you seen any of my videos? 
Have you actually watched them? <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about I don't know what the guitar. fuck I'm doing either. <laughs> do you know what I do, Jim? I focus on like I, I when I sit down and I play something, I'm like, I'm just gonna groove for a minute and yep. then I'm gonna do a little bit of lead stuff and that's it. And then so I have and I have a little note card with the settings that I'm gonna use that I, I will I, in my pocket or put in front of me. I want to say something though to the to the people that that are new or um, club players or whatever. So I was I was listening to a um uh another podcast um or YouTube channel or something. I don't. Anyway, um, I do remember, but I'm not going to give them names. Um, and one of the musicians was playing like they've been playing. They they were asking the question, "How are you making money in 2019? What your plans to make money? And how you might be a money making musician in 2019?" Right. And one of them um, to, tours with like Noel Gallagher and they, they well, sure, do sure. All Oasis stuff. and all that other things. So, right. And so he's making huge money and playing big places and stuff like that. The other guy <clears throat> in the thing was playing clubs. Like he was talking about the fact that he's playing like 30 people. And he goes, yeah, some of them, some of them hold up to like 60. Yeah. I, and I wanted to say, wow. <laughs> well, I, I mean, a lot but, of places. Well, I'm, I'm, putting it down. I'm putting it down. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, wow. And you're worried about, I, I watch other videos of him, like all this specific stuff he's worried about when he's rigged. I'm like, playing to 60 people in a- Yeah, in a- yeah, you got it. That's what I was going to point out. Like I used to play in clubs like that. Um, and I think my my obsession with gear is not born out of that. I think it's born out of the fact that like I want to have the right tool for the job and not have to switch things because I want things yep. to be consistent. So yes. there is something to say about that. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm that guy that would have like gone into a club with, you know, like like the holds like 30 people and people get knifed in the back and i'd carry i'd have my prs you know ce and like like uh, the the two thousand dollar half stack behind me and being and you know in the in the really expensive pedal board with the switching system and the you know the, the fancy snake and all that i would be that guy that's you know what's that, gonna happen is one of these days i'm gonna make the mistake of playing through a um uh 19 what is it the 1960 a yeah you know what a. though you know what though, Jim? And then I'm I'll, gonna remember, oh shit, this sounds so good. No, 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 no. I'll tell you right now, because even if it sounds good, you're gonna remember right away. I don't want to carry that fire. Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly what I was gonna say. But I do not want to move that son of a bitch. Yeah, um, they're freaking heavy as hell. Even if you've got to go up two steps. Well, and you know, the reality is even your modern 1968 cabs are not built like they were. They don't no, use the no. same marine grade, you know, plywood and all that right, that right. they used to. No, they're um, using shittier stuff. So, I mean, yeah, you can get one. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be seventy five percent as good, but yep. it's yep. still not. You know, and, and the other thing, I, I think a lot of that is uh, the fact that the older speakers they're all different. Um, if you've ever watched Johan Segborn where he goes through and shows like, hey, these are four nineteen sixty eight cabs, and they're all loaded with different speakers from the same you know, from the same year, and you're like, what? And they're like, yeah. no, these are factory original, you know, and you're like, how? And exactly. that, that was the way they used to do it. They didn't care what was in them. So, right. Right. You know, um, but when you, when you listen to them, what you'll see is that like, you'll, you'll pick up really quickly that like every cabinet that they were putting out sounded completely different. And it wasn't just the speakers. It was the wood. It was, you know, glue and everything yeah. else that was going on back then. And, and the construction methods pretty much remained the same. And I'm sure the modern ones are constructed very much in the same manner. It's just that, what, yeah, we, what we are allowed to use in electronic componentry has changed. So even the stuff that they put in speakers and the quality of the copper and all that is changed. Um, and Rojas compliancy is a big part of that too. 
because you can't ship things with shitty capacitors that are going to destroy the environment. And And people who don't know what Rojas is, look at the back of a a piece of electronic equipment. It'll say R-O-H-S. Yeah, if it's made past 1990, you're going to find Rojas on it somewhere. Um, So... And that's but that's what he's talking. I, I, I digress. Um, I, I digress. totally get where you're. I totally get what you're saying about the four twelve cap because I just I just sold mine like a year ago. Oh, so, yeah. um, I just I, I don't want to have I don't want to play one. Realize how much I miss it, and then ah uh, crap, I can't. Like you said, you can't lift it, can't carry it. Um, I you need to check out the fat cab from Thomas Blue. That's well, all. that's the, that's just it. That's going to be part of the blue um, the blue integration um, and complete Im- immersion. So uh, um, let's go to uh, let's go to our other thing we were talking about, which is customization, customized. So, uh, like I was saying to you, I'm working on the Ibanez right now. That's what this is born out of. Yep. So um, he's working on the Ibanez. I'm working on the uh, um, the Squire, and I do have some artwork that will surprise everyone, including David, um, that I want to get done. And not that David won't know what it's supposed to be, but not what it looks like because I've I've told him what it is, but I haven't told him what it looks like. And it's, it's kind of cool. It used to be my Facebook profile, believe it or not. So you dig far enough into my Facebook profile pictures you can find, I think. I won't anyway, reveal anything to anyone. Yeah. So um, um, moving right along. The, uh, what we were talking about is I, I said, yeah, I want to spend two years saving up a lot of money. So I have a, I have a good amount of money to go out and, and not have to worry about a ceiling. I, I just, yeah. he I just want get what he wants and not have to worry about, Hey, I really shouldn't spend this extra thousand dollars on this. Right. Or, Oh man, this is, this is 1500 more than that. Uh, no, Jim I'm, wants a number one. That's what Jim wants. He wants to find the perfect guitar and, and, and he doesn't think he's going to find it. He thinks he's going to create it. Yeah. And I don't think know, that's possible. I don't think that's possible for me. And we talked, we talked earlier and everybody is different and I don't want to, I don't want to poo poo anybody's dreams or anybody else's thing. Yeah. Cause certainly some people have an emotional attachment to an instrument and that's more important than it being perfect for their playing style. That's right. I've been watching the, uh, what is his name? Mick from that pedal show. And he's been yeah. on like this quest for the perfect strat and he keeps getting drawn yeah, he's back been looking for a really freaking long time. Cause there's a lot of them out there. Here's the, here's the thing, people. If you like strats, you know what the perfect strat is? Strat. And, and the thing is that, like, now I'm, I'm not going to say anything because I know that, that um, you really, really, really like GNLs. Um, I, I like strats in general, man. I, I, I favor the GNLs because I think the quality for dollar ratio is way higher. But Right. But if you had, if, if money was not the object, if you had to, that, would, you, would you choose a high-end GNL? I'm not talking about going out custom. I'm talking about if you were looking at, at at a, you can buy it in the store. You can order it yeah, online. Like a whatever. CLF research or whatever. Right. I got you. Right. Would you buy a GNL or would you buy the Strat? I would probably buy the GNL because I like the bridge better. Yeah. Now see, and that's and that's exactly right. Your your perfect Strat is already a GNL. Yeah, because I mean, I I gravitated towards them because there were certain things I found myself doing to the Strats I had. Yep. And I was like this kind of solves some of those problems though. And believe it or not, Mick, Mick from uh, uh pedal show who gave GNL a fair, a very fair shake. Um, and personally, I, all the shootouts that I've seen lately, um, Anderton's did one, G, um, uh, Matt pedal show did it. If you go to places, 
I preferred the GNL sound. Yeah, most people do. I'm not playing it and I'm not in the room, but I will say that every single one that I've heard, I've said, you know what? The GNL sounds better than a strap. And because of those, um, what do they call those pickups? The, uh, they have a name. You talk about the MFDs? The MFDs. Yeah, that's why I got my S500. Yep. And, you know, uh, there is something to be said for them because you can back them down enough to turn them into a very uh, strap. strap. And, and if you turn them up, they get humbucker-esque. Yeah, they can be crazy how much output they have and it's right. crazy how fat they sound. And so you can bring that neck back, turn that thing into a true Stratocaster. Well, and guys, we, we've talked about it on the show. I mean, I, 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 I favor have. I have two. I have two S500s. I favor yeah. them. Yeah. Um, just to give you a little bit of background, the first, so I, when I first started playing guitar, I had a red Samick, you know, humbucker, single, single, like yep. it, was, it was a trash guitar. Um, I had, I had one of those and I played it for like a year and, um, my guitar instructor played it. He had, he had a GNL S 500 actually, which is almost identical to the Ash one I have. Um, that's why I ordered it the way I did. And I played his. He gave it to me in a lesson one time, and he says, "He says here, play this one." And so I played it for about a good five or ten minutes, and I was just like, "Whoa, that's what I want out of the pickups." And I I went back and I played, you know, because I the next guitar I bought was a um, I had an Ibanez somewhere in there, and then I bought a I bought a Fender Jimmy Vaughn Strat, and I was I was not happy with the sound of that guitar. I was like, "What the hell is this?" It didn't sound anything like any of my other guitars. It didn't sound like any of the sounds I liked. Um, and so I kept going back to like the Jill S one hundred, being like, "Man, that guitar, there's something special about it." I didn't, of course, I didn't know anything about gear at that time. So I'm like, "I'm like, I don't know what's what's causing that." But now, having you know bought the the S five hundreds and and played a bunch of them over the years, that was like twenty years ago at this point. Um, I I now understand why, and it's all the pickups. And those pickups were super versatile, and that's why he had one because he was a PRS guy, man. He didn't he didn't even have a he had like I think he had two PRSs, and then he had like a Telecaster, and he had uh, he had the S five hundred. Yep. So and his S five hundred, he basically wore that thing out like the 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 he his fingernails had like dug into the fretboard. It was a maple neck, and it would look like it would just been through a war. <laughs> um. Yeah, so um, that's the other thing that I've found uh, as a side note that playing with my own rig, my touch is so much lighter because it can be than playing with a crappy rig. Yeah, because um, you have to muscle your way through it. Exactly. It's, it almost becomes acoustic in the playing style to try to get rid of it. Um, but anyway, what, what, like what you were just saying, so I had always thought that the Les Paul, which I do love the sound of a Les Paul with a, with a first bucker in it, by the way. Yeah. Those who... Those who don't know, I that is, oh, I love he's had, he's had one. I mean, yeah. and, he, and he would probably buy another and one. Three, and I will probably buy another one if if, if it was not uh, an absurd amount of money for one. I, but I'll, I'll talk about what I will do to it because um, <laughs> we talked about that this afternoon. Yeah, I know, um, but that's why I will get a cheap one. Um, <clears throat> that's that's definitely a player. Uh, so anyway, um, so. Um, ever since I saw Paul Reed Smith, and I didn't, I didn't see Paul Reed Smith. I saw them like, but I didn't know who they were. I, I was telling David, I, I was that guy that, that I would play something. I liked the sound of it. I, I used. It. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what I had. I didn't know, um, you know, pickups from it. I knew, um, you know, when I was a kid, 
Gibson Fender. That's what I knew. Yeah. And uh, I owned a Daniel, or well, not a Daniel Lacrosse, Silver Tom. Right. Um, and I've told the story that. about the Silver Tom. Yep. And uh, I've had Gibson and I've had Yamaha and I've had, uh, geez, just about everything. Squire, I've had the Epiphones, I have the, you know, the, the Gibson, real Gibsons. This is my first SG ever, by the way, of any kind. No, it's your second. Um, oh, that's right. It is my second. Well, it's the first one I kept. Yeah, it's the first one you actually kept for more than a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, because I returned my other one, which, which by the way, is back in Guitar Center. And I, uh, I was like, ah, oh, it's a thousand well, dollars. You know what they say that that a good guitar is a good guitar, and a dog shit guitar is a dog shit guitar, and those are the ones that get passed around. That's right, so. and, and that's what happens. And I and so I don't want to. Uh, I'm looking at it, going, oh, do I want to? So anyway, um, <clears throat> I I know what I did wrong the last time I tried the SG, so I know what I'm doing right. Uh, but anyway. Again, it comes to what you've got for a rig, like what you were talking about. You got the Jimmy Vaughn um, Strat, which should have sounded great. It was a Jimmy Vaughn Strat. But what happened? I'm, I'm shaking my head now. So it was okay. It has Tex Mex pickups in it, which are supposed to be like a little bit higher quality you know, single coil. Um, and for yep. the time, they probably were better than what they were putting out on the on the cheaper guitars. What was that like? 2004. Yeah, the only pickup in there that is actually decent is the bridge pickup, and I did not want a bridge single coil at that time. That right, was, that was the big thing. So, but but that uh, the other two pickups are garbage. I, they're still in the guitar. They're garbage. You right. still have it? Yeah, yeah. I refretted it. <laughs> I put jumbo frets on it. Oh, I, that that's good. And that came with medium frets, didn't it? Oh no, it came with small vintage. Oh my god! Yeah, I wore them out. Ugh. Oh, yeah, I, I can't. Out. I, can I wore them out like three or three or four years. I wore them out. Yeah, that would be easy. I don't. I don't understand where anybody. I mean, I understand where people want vintage guitars, but I don't get small frets at all. I don't understand this. Some people like to feel the fretboard. I am the complete opposite. I don't want to. scallop that bitch. Yep. <laughs> yep. I want jumbo frets. I want them to be fat. I want them to be big, and I want I, to not feel the fretboard. We, we breed dogs for specific purposes, and uh, yep. We build guitars for specific purposes, and that's not my purpose. So, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, as we were talking earlier today, I said to I said to him, I said, you know what? I I hate to admit, because my my uh, again, I didn't I didn't ever see really a, a PRS until um, I I I knew that there were guitars that that Alex Lifeson would pull out during certain things that I would say, oh, no wonder what that is. I did that not know really the PRS cool. I was looking at. Yeah, like that looks really cool. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, exactly. And I wouldn't have known a PRS from I. I knew a, a humbucker from a single coil on a record. If you if you pulled out a single coil record or a humbucker record, I could say, oh, that's single coil. That's you know. That. But I really wasn't familiar with the different humbuckers or the different guitars. So anyway, I, I'd seen um, uh, different people, and then all of a sudden, somebody said to me, "They said, man, you should try a PRS." And that was, was back in the total dark age, too, though, Jim. Like that was there were magazines and stuff, but like. It, the, the ease of information at your fingertips about what a player is using and what the pickups sound like just right. did not exist. It was not there. And and a sound sample? Are you shitting me? Oh, other yeah. than other than an um, Here, a record? This, this real audio file, right? But not a, not a, like a stem. You weren't going to yeah. hear a, an isolated guitar track. Yeah, going to have um, unless you were lucky enough to see Alex Lifeson solo. You weren't going to yeah. hear what he sounded like by himself anyway. Right. Right. That's why so, clinics were so important back then. 
Oh yeah, they were huge, much huger. And I still think that they're, I still think they're important. I just think we've lost why they're important. Um, but anyway, uh, so um, a friend of mine said, try a, a PRS. And he said, and I said, which one should I try? Because it was really only, re- there was really only three. There was the, um, and I say that because there were, there had been others. Yeah, there was the single time. cut, the custom 22 and 24, right? You got it. And then the they Santana. Had like the, they had like the EG and then the Santana and then like some other guitars that they produced. But yeah. if you were going into a PRS dealer, there was a really good chance what you were going to see were custom 22s, 24s, and single cuts. That's right. And the, the highest chance of those guitars was the 24. Second highest was the 22. The last one was the single cut. Because believe it or not, you would sit on a waiting list, which is what I, I was. I was on a waiting list for a single cut. This was 2001 or 2002. Yeah, just right about the time of the information age, which is when the waiting list started, because yep. people were like figuring this stuff out, you know. And and I told David I was actually on a waiting list for a Dragon. Um, I came off of it, um, but that was going to be the one that I was going to get. Um, I was going to spend way too much money on a guitar that I would never be able to use at a gig, um, because it costs as much as a car at the time. And uh, so, um, long story short. Uh, I did finally get my my hands on a single cut, and I got a custom twenty two. I played those for a long time. Um, went to uh, I still got my single cut. Um, went from the custom twenty two to the twenty four. Uh, I the only reason I didn't like that custom twenty two was to pick up um, back in the day. He had uh, a rotary pickup instead of a. Um, Blade. Yeah, he was doing the Bernie Rico type thing, but, yeah. but using the rotary for the pickup selector. You never knew what pickup you were on by looking at it, but you knew by sound, but you didn't know by look. And and it was a, it was a bit of a pain in the ass. And I, a thought lot they were, I thought they had a numbers, they had numbers on them. It did. It was just like you a volume. Slip down and see the. Well, the thing but is, I didn't know where it was dark, on a dark stage. On a dark stage, you didn't know what the hell what you were that. doing. No, that was a really so bad idea. What I had done was I had put glow in the dark. Um, uh, marking yeah. on the thing the ones so you it, the ones you used yeah yeah and um i put a little glow in the dark dot on the guitar and then the guy that bought it off oh that, that kind of devalues the guitar i'll blow it out your ass i'll be like here let me help you some sandpaper some steel yeah. polish it up. here w- wipe it off with my yeah. with my thumb like your mother when you get you got something on your chin um so <clears throat> I can say this after all that time and, and Paul Reed Smith. And there are a lot of people who have, who have said the same thing. PRS is making better guitars now than they were. Unlike a lot of companies where they keep trying to go back and make the guitar they used to. Uh, and I, I agree with you, Jim, my, myself, but there are a lot of people out there who say the opposite. Yeah, and I, I think they're just the collector mentality. I think a I lot think. of people base how good something is on how much it costs. And so yeah. if you look at some of these collector pieces that came out of that period and really yeah. before that, like in the mid nineties, yeah. that's where that's coming from. And I just kind of laugh. Cause I'm like, yeah, for real. You, you think you really think that, that when they were building them all by hand, they were as good and consistent. Cause that's right. what, that's what gets me. It's like that 70 strat argument. Oh, well, 70 strats aren't as bad as people think they are because you have the one good one. You know, like yeah, I'll be exactly. honest with you, if you if you dig through them, you're gonna play a lot of crap before you find a good one. Well, come on, the '50s stuff, the '60s stuff—I don't care what you talk about. That 
um, I think we've mentioned this before. If you've got four people who are um, sanding down guitars um, and, and back then routing out guitars with, with like pencil marks on the thing and you're, you're cut, making your cuts along that, and then you got people that are, the arch top was like this. That's how you made it. And so, you know, Joey would be over here doing it this way. Jeannie'd be doing it this way. And, yeah. and Jeannie would, had softer hands and a lighter touch. And maybe her, her um, on Tuesday, her sandpaper was a little more worn down. Well, let's be and, honest. The example you're giving, though, is not a tonality thing. I know, but I'm talking about the, well, no, but that's what the I'm saying. collectors don't give a shit. No, that, but that's, what I'm <laughs> that's exactly what I'm saying, though. It's like a lot of the things that people are like, oh, that's what makes those original PRSs so great. It, it's bullshit in terms of actually it's if you're a player and you're going to pick it up and play it you don't give a fuck about that right you know what you care about you care about what the pickups sound like is it reliable does it sound good does it have resale value that's right does it does it stay in tune are you breaking strings all over the place does it um does it play night after night after night are you fighting with it in a good or a bad way those are the things because there are people that say, I love to fight with my guitar. Yeah, I'm tired. That's of your, right. Yeah. But I, even he's gotten out of it. We know who said that. Jack White, he's playing, playing freaking EVH guitars now. Yeah. The, the guy who, oh, I could never, but I could never play a guitar for more than $500. Oh yeah. Okay. Jack. Cause I'm sure those EVHs are $500 to you. There's another <laughs> name. There's another name that we can attach to his first name that would work out really well. Sure. Jack ass yes <laughs> but he brought in the he brought in the resurgence of shit guitars and and then this yeah, this whole I mean, hipster movement of this shit guitar you know what if if that shit if you guitar like sounds good guitars, to you fine. that's awesome that's fine Seriously. but but i but, but I, I i do have to step back and say you know before jack white that shit was seen as garbage that's right and you, I mean, you might find super collectors out there, but there are really guys that wanted to be collecting Fenders or Gibsons, and they didn't yep. have the money, so they were like, "Oh, I'll get this other esoteric guitar brand that not a lot of people see value in." You know, that kind of stuff happens, right? And, and that's okay. Nobody. I mean, I'm not faulting those people. Somebody's got to collect those guitars. And honestly, I I think that there is a, a some valid stuff out there, that, you know, about museum quality and you know, just playing them on stage. No big deal. If that's your jam, that's your jam. But right. let's just let's take a, a step back and not try to force everybody to do that. Right. And and not force everybody to think, oh, if you get a Fender Squire um uh whatever, it's just as good. Don't it, remember, you know, but I will say this: that that kind of flips the coin for us. And the fact is that now. The stuff coming out of Indonesia, the stuff coming out of Korea, the stuff that coming out of overseas, Cortex. with the exception of, yeah, Cortec, um, some, not all, um, some of the Chinese uh, places even, it's consistent. Every single guitar is pretty much going to sound the same. And and what I was getting at with Jeannie and her and and her um, uh, rubbing with the sandpaper, she was also the one over there winding the bobbins. Yeah, yeah. And, and so she might have been like, you know, you can't see me, but I'm kind of falling asleep while I'm sitting here and uh, drinking coffee. Oh, shit, I let that thing or, go. Or, I got it. I need a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go out for a cigarette break. I see things still going. 
Yeah, I come back in the counters like 500 more wines. You're like, I don't know if it's going to fit in the cover, but whoops, clip, <laughs> whatever. And then, and then she maybe goes back and unwinds a couple, which you never know. You never know what happened when it, when it, when it occurred in that one special pickup, in that one special guitar. That came yeah, out. I mean, that stuff's all made mechanically now in a lot of cases. So if you do go overseas, it'll be consistent, but right. it, it'll be consistently good or consistently bad. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, so. Philip McKnight does a thing where he talks about what the difference between guitars made in China stuff is. And a lot of it's the metal quality. Metallurgy yep. is a big part of it. Uh, species of woods. Just because it's mahogany doesn't mean it's the same kind of mahogany. And that, right. that's a huge thing. Uh, I've been reading about the different kinds of um, Carina, mahogany, and uh, you know, just basically where they get sourced from, who grows them, old growth versus new growth, the differences in, in uh, grain structure and things like that that occur. Based on different now, though, those people who are Patreons will have the opportunity to listen to me go on about genetics and in, in wood eventually. But soon, yes. I got to dig out that episode. Put it's, that it's on my to do list. <clears throat> but here's the thing, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go into that, but not into the the depth I did there. <laughs> that is Patreon only because because you've got to be ready for um some some not ready for prime time viewing. Yeah. Um, uh... <laughs> You're going to have to send a disclaimer before you watch yeah, that. <laughs> exactly. And you cannot share that with people that, uh, you know, you don't, well, you don't have the right to share it. Like, on Vimeo. Cause I think I can, I think I can lock it down. I, we don't have right. a Vimeo account yet, but I'll make one. And I think yeah. I can lock it down so that you have to have a password to view it. Yeah. And so the way we'll structure is if you're a patron, you want to see it, you're going to yeah. have to give me the password. So then I can brief you on how right. we're going to handle this because there is definitely some stuff in there that needs to remain private. Right. But here's a, here's the thing that that any anyone who is in um, forestry will tell you. So right now, the trees that are growing in some forests that we're using, we're reusing, because remember, the same woods we're building guitars out of, they're also building furniture and they're building other houses. They're building a lot of things out of Um. And those are really the things that are like if if all they ever built was guitars out r- rosewood with guitars, you wouldn't lose that much rosewood. But they build rosewood a lot of other things too. Um, but anyway, so because <clears throat> it's not just the tonal qualities that people like. Um, so now they're they're like GMO. It's just like the GMO of the cow thing. Okay, we're 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 growing cows faster. I I know because I was in the dairy field and the the. Um, companies weren't telling us because this was this was the 70s and 80s folks they weren't always telling us what they gave us and so they'd say oh use these in your grains use this fertilizer use um in your in your fields add this to your corns here's the seeds we want you to use how fast is this uh, this going and if you do that this is the way they would trick us they would say if you do that we'll give you money back get extra money right and guess who gave you that money back the government so um, the government would give us money back. Of course, you get kickbacks from the um, from Agway and the other companies that right, were right. Um, in in um, cahoots. So the forestry was going through the same thing. It was always paper, um, uh, you know, paper companies were were oh they were just laying waste. If you yeah. think that the the, the um, rainforest was getting laid waste, you should see upstate New York. Yeah, and it was just it was just you would go out one day and and oh it's great these fields are wonderful. Ah, it's Next gone. day, you're driving through an empty field. <laughs> it was a big muddy field because it's with all these 
these things with wheels bigger than your car for going through and taking the wood out and just getting rid of it. Yeah. So now we've got this. And then of course, you know, people rightfully so I, I use the word hippie because I'm just, I'm just old, but all these hipsters, Oh yeah, we got to So they were right. We got, we got to get the trees back. So we got to, we got to make them grow faster. And those of you out in California, you know about the California redwoods. And so, um, I mean, they're basically doing tree eugenics right? outside of a laboratory in some cases. And then inside the laboratory, they're modifying them genetically, whatever they got to do to make them grow faster. But the truth and is. So, and so if you look at the inside, and this is the thing that these forestry people were showing guitar manufacturers. So if you look at the inside of a trunk, this is what Paul Reed Smith knows. Because he's like, yeah, this is where I'm getting these woods for these guitars and so on and so yeah. forth. If you look at it, you can see how much tighter the rings are. On, a, on an old non-GMO, if I can use that yeah. word. I know it's well, not it's old correct. Growth. But it's old growth is what they call it. But Right. The old growth tree versus the new growth tree and that sparseness. You cannot tell me if tone wood matters that that sparseness in the wood doesn't matter. Right. So, right. <clears throat> I, And I'm not saying that tone wood and sparseness in the wood matters. I'm not, not taking that leap. But, but to acoustic builders like Bob Taylor, and and uh, who's the guy uh, uh, Martin and uh, you know even Gibson a lot more making... important to those than than the rest of us a lot more. But um, as far as your custom guitar goes, let's let's get back on on the regular topic here. Um, so you're talking about going to PRS, getting a you know really expensive Sky's Limit kind of guitar. But uh, I'm not, and that's a, that was the thing. You know, I think that I think that what I'll wind up doing is just getting another CE. Just in yeah. some weird color that I, you know. Yeah, you're going to get the artist package and you probably going to see, you'll probably get a custom. Right. Or something, but, but you'll get uh, it, but you'll get the artist package and pick your, pick your exclusive color and yep. some, you know, 5A top and, you know, that kind of stuff. Yep. Yep. Oh, 10, 10 top. You know, there's a lot of companies out there right now. And I know because I've been doing some of my own excursions and just talking to small builders and things like that lately. Um, there's a lot of companies out there that can offer you. We talked about this today. That's a right. A lot of bang for your buck. Yeah. Um, but it's such a minefield to navigate that because yeah. you get all these builders that are buying things in China and then saying that they're produced here. And you yeah. get these guys that are uh, assembling guitars and calling it made in America. You get yeah. guys that are, you know, amateur luthiers doing, doing amateur hour. Yeah. Um, and so the, the warranty may not be good because you don't know, you know, if you, you like, don't know the fly by night company will be there to, to I, give you. I, I don't want to put it. I don't want to touch faces, but so we'll, we'll make this fake builder. His name's going to be uh, Johnny B. And yeah. if I'm going to go to Johnny B and I'm going to get a guitar and Johnny B says, okay, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a two month wait for me to build your guitar. And you're going to pay me X amount of dollars, which is going to, let's say, we'll say three grand. And I'm going to take, uh, I, once it's done, I'll, I'll deliver it to you. Um, I get the guitar. I play it for a couple of weeks. I realize that there's something really wrong with the neck pocket and the guitar is going to have to be scrapped. So I go back to him and I say, I want to invoke the warranty. Now, Johnny B only has like three to four orders a month, or he might have, he might have 10 orders a month or 20 orders a month. But Johnny B says, well, you have a warranty, but it's going to, it's going to take me three months to, to catch up with you. And so I'm going to have to build you another one. Yep. And then you're, and then you're out four months or, or five months. Of, you know, so now, now you're almost a half a year where you've waited on your build. And that's the stuff that frightens me. 
it's yes. not that I, I it's not that I know I, I I know I'll be taken care of by these small builders. Most of them are are true to their word, um, and and that's how they they stake themselves in their reputation. But the question is, what if there's a problem? Uh, what if I have to sell it for some reason? That's right? a scary, scary thought. Um, hopefully, if you're if you're in the market of getting a custom guitar, you're to the point where you're like, now I got enough money, and this guitar is going to be buried with me. And that's that's the reason I'm ordering a custom guitar. Um, you know, and that's that's you know the other side of it is, and we talked we talked about this too. My bucket list has been to have a customized PRS, and and it's the same as hey, I want to go to the other thing on my bucket list. By the way, is to go to New Zealand, and somebody could say, hey, you know what, you could go to the Alps. It's the same thing. No, no, it's not. No, and I've been to the Alps, but I'm just saying. Um, you know, so they could say, oh, you go to custom, you know, mountain range, blah, blah, blah. And it's the same thing. It's not my, my, it, um, uh, uh, all, all across. I could come at this as a completely different angle. I don't have an ideal guitar. I yep. think different tools for different jobs. And because I play a bunch of different jobs, that means I have to have a bunch of different tools. So yes. there's a, a, a mindset that I go into when I go to the store and I pick up a guitar and play it and they go what is this going to do for me? Meaning, you know, like how is this going to fit into what I'm doing right now? And if it's, it, it might be a great guitar killer instrument where I go, yeah, but I don't need a super guitar because I don't no. really do anything that's going to need this. Um, and so I'll back off and put it away. And, and that's the way I approach a lot of things. Now yep. I have a very specific genre of music I'm looking at. And that's kind of driving a lot of my builder conversations and the the uh, types of builders that I was talking to, um, and uh, that has to do with the fact that I'm looking for a seven string, um, you know, with a particular feature set, and yeah. uh, so you know that's driven a lot of that conversation. But um, it's just it's a strange, strange situation to be in where you know exactly what you want, and and I think we've all been there where. I know exactly what I want when I go to get a guitar, but nobody makes it. And that's why these custom houses still exist. Or you have like the artist package from PRS because there are still situations in case in cases where if you really want something specific, you know, you're going to have to go talk to somebody and have make it for you. And it's going to cost. And is that valid? I mean, I, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm not the guy that's going to tell you that you should just pick one off the shelf. You, you'll, you'll figure it out. Like you're doing it wrong. If you have to go custom, um, let's face it. I, w- the cost of a guitar these days for, for pre- professional level guitarist wanting what would be considered, you know, the cream of the crop instrument is 3000 plus. I mean, that's where we're at. CERN <clears throat> makes right. guitars in the 3000 plus range. Gibson makes guitars in the 3000 plus range. Anderson's still doing it. Makes guitars in the 3000 plus range. You're going to yep. custom shop at that point. Um, Anderson, all the other big companies right now that are, you know, sought after by people like Guthrie Govan and all those different guys um, are, you know, they're 3000 plus. Hell, the Ibanez Gem. Uh, 3000 plus. It's, it's a $3,000 guitar. I mean, I, honestly, I looked at it and I went, that's not worth $3,000. It's a great instrument, but it's not worth $3,000. Nope. There is some nope. there is some premium on that price tag. 
Um, there is definitely. And I, I would take probably, I don't know what the Satriani model costs. Part of that, part of that cost of that gem is going to buy Steve Vai a new couch. Yeah. And same thing for, for the, <laughs> same thing for the Satriani model and, and all the other artist yeah. models, even for that matter. I, um, you know, the Satriani model though, I'm going to say this now. I'm not, I have because you like it. It's not no, because it's <laughs> no, 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 no. I want to say that. No, I'm not going to get one. I'm just saying that when it comes to those models that, that, um, Petrucci, Vi, uh, Sir, Sir makes some, um, uh, Govan's thing. Not anymore. Right. He's, he's oh, a guy. He's oh, was a Charvel guy. Ago. Yeah. Good. Really? Yep. I thought he was a sure guy. No, he left because sure couldn't produce some guitars fast enough. Wow. Um, anyway, uh, these guys, they have the, the one thing about the Satriani model that I will say is it's damn sexy. The curves on that guitar are just sexy. It's a, that is okay. Is Jeff, so, Jeff Kiesel. No, it is so round. We talked about mean? this. No, it's not. Ooh, they got curves. That's okay, why I don't like, that's why I don't like the gem. If you were I'll saying to me, play oh, that Albert Lee model, you know, the, the guitar gem, I'm talking about, right? Yes. The gem reminds me of an old telly. It's a block of wood with no curves. Not the, no, it's got curves on it. What are you talking about? Not the, not the way that the, um, the because sex- the body isn't shaped and contoured. Go play your fucking Les Paul. <laughs> this stuff's <laughs> totally unnecessary. That's um, the only thing about the SG that I'm not crazy about is the fact that it is. I know, but because I, you're like, oh, it's in the head curves. Ooh. I know, it's weird. It's weird. I'm not saying it's weird. Okay, so that, that's exactly when you come to me, I'm flipping the, I'm flipping the coin on you because yeah, I know. Um, for me, the customization on a guitar isn't worth the money in a resale value. It's just not because what I want to customize, pickups are going to stay the same. The neck's going to stay the same. The, the body is going to stay pretty much the same. What's going to change? Some colors, and maybe a custom finish, custom finish. Um, you know, I, I might customize the, um, the birds cause they, they do in the custom shop. Yeah, they they have use, a bunch of different options for that. Yeah. Cooler birds. The way yeah, the birds lay, lay like, like you get perloiter on the edges and yeah, I know all the crazy. And I, yeah. That kind of thing is the only thing that, and that's not something, why should somebody pay? And that's the thing about the custom 24s that are. 10 top and all this other shit. If you're buying a 10 top and you're buying it because you're still buying a piece of art, you're not buying the guitar because it sounds better than the custom 24 that's sitting next to it. Yeah. I mean, once you're getting into talking about a 10 top, you're talking about aesthetics. You're paying a thousand dollars extra for aesthetics. And thousand dollars for a 10 top. Yeah. At least in the used market. Oh, I know. I see. I mean, extra. I've seen it new for only a thousand bucks more. So in some cases, so, um, it's i think it's it's a highly subjective thing if people are willing to pay for aesthetics i i personally tent top I is, sub- is, a, is a subjective thing yeah the i difference mean between a, a ten top and a not ten top is one guy says i like this one better exactly by the guy that picked out said oh that's a ten top well i told you jim like when i was looking at prs's uh i my whole thing is uh, i like the ugly ones um i like the ones that have a lot of character to them because those are the ones you remember. And uh, so, I mean, when you see that perfect flame or the perfect quilt, I don't give a crap. Like, it's it's cool to look at for about 15 seconds. And then I'm like, yeah. I lose interest. So, uh, I like solid color guitars of all things. So, I mean, I'm not the right guy there. to ask about this. <laughs> right there. Yeah. And, and I saw one at Guitar Center today. 
It's black. Yeah. And and yeah, I know you're not. Did you say you weren't crazy about black guitars? No, I'm not. Oh. I, they're okay. I, I just, yeah. I don't, I haven't. If I was going to buy another SG, I'd probably buy Ebony just to complete the set. Yep. I, I'm thinking that, that I may get an Ebony one later because that, that black one does look really, really cool. But I hate that, you know, can we, can we stop for a second? I hate the fact that Gibson does that where they're going to offer Pelham Blue, but you can only get it to like music one, two, three or something like that. Oh, you know what else ridiculous. I hate? Ridiculous. You know what else I hate? Stop changing the fucking thing every year. Stop yeah. putting a different set of pickups every year because I got, oh, oh, that's a 2017. Okay. And a 2017 standard, the pickups were. Yeah. This this well, that. wait a minute. So, so that, that big guard SG you got, is that a 2016 or is that a 2019? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so my SG has got the classic 57s, which was a 2017. The 2018 had another set of pickups. Now the 2019 has a 61 something pickup in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like it's just getting it's getting absurd, um, and it's going to be really hard for the collectors to keep up with what's been installed and what. And you know, there's guitars floating around out there that are that are like 2018 model years with 2017 pickups in them, yep. and and that's going to be a real nightmare when when collectors go to start buying and verifying these guitars in you know 50 years or whatever it is. Um, yeah, to be honest with you. They're producing so many guitars now. I think this era is the end of the collector's era because going into, you know, 20 years from now, it's going to be saturated. There's going to be so many different damn guitars out there uh, of like, like if you go get an SG, I mean, you basically will shake the tree and like 10 of them will fall down, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. The truth of the matter is I still think, I think the SGs, a lot of the SGs are overpriced. Yeah, they are like right now. To get a standard for like sixteen hundred dollars, oh, it's incredible! Insane. That's that's ridiculous. It it's not a carved top. It doesn't have binding of the body. Okay, it doesn't have a fancy like inlay work on the headstock. It doesn't have fancy inlays at all. The, um, the standard is cheaper. Got to be cheaper to make than the um than the studio, um uh, uh Les Paul. Yeah. It, it, I, it has to be. It has it, to be. It's, now, it, maybe, the, it, maybe the argument is the, the plank of mahogany you have to cut for the neck or something because the neck tenon is, you know, I don't know. But I'm just saying, on the surface, it sure looks like $1,500 is way too much money for that style. Yeah, to, me, to me, the top end of an SG should be right in the $1,200, $1,300. Now, you were talking about that, um, the, the guitar that you tour with. So, um, that goes along with a lot of these things that I've been watching lately. And they all agree with me because I, I was talking about the guitars that I used on a daily basis. And why well, I say they agree with me, they don't, they didn't say, Hey, Jim was right. No, that's not what I'm saying. They no, he's say, saying that, that these guitars are Jim can interchangeably swap guitars for what he's doing. Right. And, and, and they that, all, you like them all. Right. And here's the other thing that they said. A good guitar is, just like you said, a good guitar is a good guitar. doesn't matter whether you spent $200 on it or $2,000 or $20,000 on it. A good guitar is the one that, that plays night after night, that stays in tune, isn't breaking strings, and that you... Well, I have a theory on that, and that is when you pay those higher prices versus the lower prices, all you're paying is for better quality control. Now, yep. we all know that's not true. To a point. To a point. We know that's not true, though, because... We know the pickups on the Squire are not the same as the pickups in your USA Fender we, or, or other brand. 
we know that the the metal they used to to cast the bridges, whether the bridge is cast or whether the bridge is um, bent, yep. all those different things play into that. That's um, right. And so part of me is like, yeah, that's true to a point. Um, but again, you can always upgrade those parts, but then you're paying more. And that's the whole point. So price is not just a quality control thing. Like you're not paying for a quality control, but at some point in the lineup, you are at some point you hit that price point where you're like, okay, now (laughs) I'm just paying for it to make sure that this guitar is more consistent. Right. Obviously you're not going to pay 200 for a brand new guitar. And that's going to be your guitar. Usually that's the, the guitar you can depend on night after night. I've seen, but I, there's a pro, and I wish I could find the video because because it, it was it was talked about on um, on No Guitar is Safe, and I can't find the episode. I've been I've been looking for it for a while. Um, where there's a pro that that a lot of people really respect, who's playing Squire Affinity Strats, no customization, literally going out on stage, plugging it in and using it stock, and that's I wouldn't, it. I couldn't do it. I, I, I told you why. I, I hate the fretboard on that thing. I hate the frets on it. Now I might be able to get it to work for me and I will get it to work, but that's going to be a, a, a labor of love, not a labor of, well, a labor of pain. There's going to be some bitching going on while you're doing that. Let's be honest. So, <clears throat> but what I'm getting at is you can take a guitar, like the two, the two that I have behind me there, the, the three that I have behind me are all, um, two of them are sub 1000. Yeah. One man. was because it was used. Right, the SG was used sub one thousand. The, the it would have SG, been it would have been only twelve hundred bucks new. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think because the Pelham Blue was only American, yeah, right, 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 but, American one three three. It was like fourteen hundred dollars, but yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. If it wasn't the Pelham Blue, you're right. It would have been twelve hundred dollars, absolutely. And the and the um, CE goes used for about twelve hundred dollars. Yeah. So if you're right in the thousand dollar range right here, right, I've got. $3,000 would have bought all three, would easily buy all three of these guitars right here for a day after day after day gig. You yeah. don't need a $3,000 guitar. My, and and um, uh, if something happens to one of these, you're not out several, several thousand dollars. Yeah. You're not out a piece that, that truly, if you, but that gets to that, what is the difference between recording and, and live and, and everything else? And I'm a live guy. I'm not a recording guy. I don't need it. $25,000 guitar. I mean, I, I, at, this point, at this point, I haven't recorded anything in probably a year. I would consider myself a bedroom player at this point. And I'm still buying guitars that are significantly more value than I'm bringing in playing music. Yeah. Um, and so for me, like this S500 I have hanging on the wall outside the frame here is it's, it was uh, $1,300 or $1,400, I believe. Yeah. Um, and no. it, I mean, if I had a tour right now, I take this one and I take my blue one, and that's it. Yep. I would not. I don't need another guitar with me. Right. I would take those two right there. Those because yeah, they're two, different. PRSs. Oh no, the PRS the SG. Yep. The C SG. Okay. The uh, I would probably take the SE and the and the SG. Yep. That's the two I would tour with. I would leave the CE at home, not because I don't like it, but because um, I know that if something happened to the SE. Or something happened to the SG, you know, I can replace them. Although I'd rather have, um, I, I'm waiting for that guy to do just like Rich did. Put one on um, Facebook Marketplace. I get for about $600 and then pick that one up. That's the one I want to get. That's yeah. the one I'm waiting for is the, is the cherry red 
or the, uh, is it Heritage Cherry? I have or Heritage the, Cherry. Right yeah, here. or the Ebony, because I like the Heritage Cherry. You wouldn't like mine, though, because it's a big guard. Oh. Oh, I wouldn't care. I'm talking about one that's a work. Well, it's not for sale anyway, so. No, 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 I know yours isn't. I'm talking about yeah. if I found a 600 if I found a $600 standard, it was in good shape. Shit, if I sold mine for $600, I wouldn't even, I would barely have lost any money. Yeah. I would have lost like 200 bucks. Yeah. Which is. And so they're out there. Par for the course. I mean, I bought mine new for like eight or 900. Yeah. So. Well, this is the model year, but. Yeah. This thing is in new condition. It's still in new condition. I don't play it as much as I should. But that comes to the fact that that is the guitar I take to every rehearsal right there. Yeah. yeah. CE. Every rehearsal goes to CE. I've taken that two or three times, the SE, and I've taken the SG maybe two or three times. And that's it. You know, Jim, Jim, can we, can, we, can we talk for just a second before we end the episode? Yeah. About the fact that you've had an SG and then you took it back. Yeah. Now you have another SG. Yeah. And then the SE with the Floyd, you had one. Yep. Took and it back. You took it back. And now you have another one. <laughs> well, let's talk about the other things that I had took back and I have another yeah. one. Right, the the Boss RC three, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the, the um, uh, oh, the DS one. I think I've had about 50 yeah, <laughs> yeah. They oh, those things are ubiquitous too. Like if you ever if you ever do a Craigslist deal with somebody, you're like, you know, I really don't think I can spend that amount of money on this, and then they're like, I'll throw in a DS one. You're like, I can't tell you how many Les Pauls I've had. I keep falling in love with them. It. it it's some, so that's what, let's, let's end with this. So I was talking to David earlier about what I want to do with a Les Paul. I want to buy a player's Les Paul. And I mean a true player's Les Paul. One that's broken headstock and all. Beat to shit and had a broken headstock, been fixed, all this other stuff. Don't care. Want to pick it up for like three, four hundred bucks. And the reason that I want to do that, um, you know, some estate sale or some dumb shit like it's that. because he's going to take a drill. I'm going to take a, a I'm going to. I am going to be, yeah, I want to be a dentist. It's that time of year that you, everybody's seen that movie. I want to take a Dremel and just, and I want to do what uh, Billy Gibbons did to it. I want to route it out to within an inch of its life. Yeah, to he's going to chop, he's gonna take a bandsaw, he's going to chop the back of it off and turn it into a veneer. And yep. then he's going to go inside the guitar and he's going to take out everything except for the pickup cavities. <laughs> and that's, you you think you think I'm kidding? He's no, actually right. I know exactly what you're talking about. You have to leave a little bit for structural integrity. Yes, <laughs> but, but <laughs> if you've ever seen Gil, Billy Gibbons' favorite Les Paul, that's have what you ever heard like. of a hollow body. <laughs> and somebody would probably say to me, "Well, just get a hollow body, Les Paul." No, that's not as fun. I so, knew a guy years ago. I saw. I met him at a gig, and he had a he had like a three thirty five copy, and yep. he filled it with like socks and shit. Because yeah. he was like, he was like, well, this makes it like a solid body, and I'm like, not really. <laughs> I was like, no, what not. an idiot. Like, no, not, that's not what that does at all. Oh, and that's the other thing. So that's another thing. I can't remember if it was Billy Gibbons or who it was, but they took the neck and they sanded the shit out of it until it was really thin. <laughs> Unless Paul, yeah, yeah. Until it was super thin. Well, I, 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 I would, would totally. Uh, so if I was going to get a Les Paul made. I don't know who I would go to to get one, but yeah, my my first request would be give me a C shaped neck. I cannot stand D shaped necks. I just can't. The V shape, the the D shape, the, the deep shape. Yeah, 
well, they, it's the U or whatever they call it, but it's I, I consider it a D. It's a it's a very it's like a two by four um, with rounded edges. I, yep. I the reason why I don't like that shape is probably shaped mostly by this you know sheer mechanics of my hands and how they work. But um, I have never bonded with a guitar with a real deep D shaped neck, and it's just because the transition for me to go from one of my strats to one of those guitars, which the one that comes to mind is that Steinberger I had that thing, the neck on it was like, it had to be two inches wide. I mean, it was ridiculous. Uh, that, that Les Paul I played recently, the one with the baseball bat, yeah. um, it was, it was slightly smaller than that. And it just did, it was not the right neck shape for that guitar at all. Cause I just remember thinking like, why would you take the Steinberger, which is a guitar known for like modern players in the eighties. Yeah, and then give it this like ridiculously vintage style neck, but that's part of the reason why it ended up sold. So, well, yeah. So anyway, everybody, I I, I want to be uh, I want to wish you happy holidays. Yeah, we didn't uh, really talk about Christmas and and the holiday that's impending for tomorrow. Yeah, uh, you know whatever uh, you celebrate, Festivus uh, or whatever it happens to be, um, we hope that you have a good one. And that as long as your celebration is a nonviolent one, that we are, you know, open and accepting and give you your support and, uh, you know, wish you the best in your endeavors. So, yep. So I've been Jim. And I have been David. We've been the practically politically correct guitarists.